This is What Book Hooked You. I'm Brock Shelley, and thanks for listening. On this episode, I get to talk to Kathy Upperman, whose third book, How the Light Gets In, is out now from Swoon Reads. And in this episode, Kathy and I talk about uh, growing up, uh, the books that she got into, uh, and how later in life she sort of got the itch and and got interested in writing and how she pursued that. Uh, so listen in. So Katie, what book hooked you? So the book that hooked me as a reader and the book that I remember over any other book growing up, including um, like Babysitter's Club, I read a lot of Beverly Cleary, a lot of Sweet Valley. Um, the book that stands out among all of those is Judy Bloom's Just As Long As We're Together. Um, I had a paperback copy. I'm sure my parents bought it for me at Walden Books. And I remember reading it so many times that it the binding split in half. So I would read, I had two, two, two pieces of the book. So I would read the first half and then put it, you know, back on the bookshelf. And then I would go back and read the second half and then just kind of read it over and over and over. Um, I just found it to be such a relatable story. It was nothing earth shattering as far as plot, but um, Judy Bloom just has a way with making her characters, especially um, her female characters feel like they could be a friend. So that book, um, I, I actually recently went back and re- reread it a few years ago, and it totally held up for me. Um, it felt just as magical as an adult to read it as it did when I was, you know, eight, nine, ten, eleven. So that book in particular was the book that hooked me as a as a reader, and still one that I think back on when I'm writing um, in terms of the way um, the families are portrayed, the different family dynamics, the way the friendships begin and end and grow and um, just kind of change in that middle school um, time of life. It just all feels very relevant to me still as a writer. So, or, Excuse me. Do you still have that original copy or is it long been lost it is, to time? It is long gone. My parents bought us tons of books growing up and then as soon as we outgrew them they garage sold them sure. which at the time I didn't care right. I didn't you know I wasn't going to go back to them of course <laughs> but now as an adult I really wish that I still had that book in particular but all of my babysitters club series and all oh, those books were all so I feel like they got me through <laughs> that time of my life when friendships were so awkward and they just it yeah, I wish that I did. I have rebought just as long as mm. we're together, though. I have the same paperback copy, the same cover that I had growing up. So I shared it with my 12-year-old a few years ago. That's great. And so yeah. as you then uh, kind of grew up and moved into your young adult stage, your teenage years, did your relationships to books changed as, you know, high school life, uh, you entered into that stage? Uh, did you have time for reading uh, for pleasure, was any reading you got done uh, for schoolwork and then you weren't really interested in anything beyond that? It was unfortunately very much for schoolwork. I kind of stopped reading for pleasure in high school. I was an, an athlete and I had a job and school, of course, took up a lot of my time. So all of the reading I did was assigned reading. And 
very few of those books really have stuck with me. I remember reading The Odyssey. Um, I remember reading uh, The Grapes of Wrath, all the, you know, the classics that many of us have read in high school. But I did not do very much pleasure reading at all um, until I got into college and I majored in elementary education and ended up taking a, um, like a kid lit class. I'm sure it had a more technical <laughs> title, but we had a reading list of books that we were required to read. Most of them were um, like genres. So we would have to read like a you know, middle grade mystery or whatever the case may be. And I remember one of the books specifically was Harry Potter. We had to read Harry Potter and I was kind of dreading it. I thought I would not be interested in this boy wizard story at all. But of course, I loved it and went to the student bookstore on my college campus and bought, I think only the first four books were out at the time. So I bought up to the fourth book and just devoured them. So that was kind of, that kind of reignited my, my love of pleasure reading. So, And so at then at what point did writing kind of take hold and that become an idea uh, that you had that you wanted to pursue? Not for several years. I wanted to be a teacher my whole life um, and taught for a few years and really loved it. I taught fifth graders. Um, I loved teaching fifth grade literature. We read some really amazing books in those years that I was teaching. Um, when I had my daughter in 2007, I stopped teaching. I was planning to go back when she went to kindergarten. But um, during that first year of her life, my husband was deployed. So it was just my daughter and I. And I loved being home with her, but I was also a little bit bored and a little bit, um, I needed like a creative outlet. Mm -hmm. So I was doing a lot of reading and kind of thought, I read Twilight, which seems to be the, the gateway of my book for a lot of um, YA writers who are who are writing now, um, and just found it so compulsively readable, despite you know whatever flaws those those books may have. Um, it, I did not want to put it down. I found myself just really caring about what was going to happen next, and thought um, maybe I will try my hand at this. Maybe it will just be a good way to be creative again and kind of have my own my own thing. Um, so I did start writing. Um, I never really, it was a long time before I thought I would write as a job. Mm -hmm. um, growing up, writers seemed like celebrities to me. Um, I mean, there was really no, I mean, there was no internet at that time. Sure. So Judy Bloom and Beverly Cleary and Ann and Martin, I couldn't get online and see what they were tweeting at the time. So they just, being an author seemed very far removed from <laughs> anything that I might right. be able to do in my life. So um, after reading Twilight and, and starting to write a little bit, very poorly, I'm sure, um, it was just going to be for fun. And I ended up spending so much time on it and loving it so much. I kind of started to think maybe I'll try my hand at, you know, making a little bit of money <laughs> while I'm doing this. So that was kind of where that began. And what were you first writing those when you first kind of started to dive into it or play around with it? What types of things were you kind of gravitating towards in your writing? I was writing YA without even yet knowing that YA was a category. Um, as I said, I had read Twilight and then I immediately read um, Gail Foreman's If I Stay. And 
that that book to me just felt perfect. I saw I could see no flaws in it. I absolutely loved it. And that was the book that made me think I want to make people feel like this about my characters. So um, I my main character of the first manuscript I ever wrote was a teenager and they have been teenagers ever since. I don't I people ask me often if I'll ever try to write adult or middle grade and I just have no real desire. I I really love writing from the YA perspective. So And when you started to take then your writing uh more serious, what did you did you go out and try to do anything? Did you try to search out other people, take classes, or did you try to do any type of research to kind of figure out uh, if you were kind of up to snuff with what you were writing or how to figure out whether the industry or just the craft, was there anything that you did? Yeah, it was very slow. Um, I spent a whole year writing. Um, it was, it ended up being like 130,000 words, which is like twice a book. <laughs> and I had no knowledge. I, I just had thought, you know, more is better and had no real idea of what the market required and what the norm was. So I spent a whole year writing that mess. <laughs> and then, of course, I thought, I knew about literary agents. I knew that, you know, they were important. But initially, I thought, you know, I'll be the exception. My book will sell and it will be beloved. And that was definitely not the case. Um, I queried that book and tried to get an agent with it. And while I was doing that, I um, joined some online writing forums, um, some YA-specific forums, and started to meet other YA writers who were kind of in the same um, part of the process that I was, and met my first critique partner. Um, so that was kind of my research, was getting online, meeting other writers, um, making myself, you know, slowly integrating myself in the YA community online, which now, um, what, like 11 years later, some of my best real life friends are people that I met in those very early days of, of writing. So I, it was invaluable for me to be able to connect with other writers in that way. And then my other kind of research was just reading as much as I could. That was kind of my do-it-yourself uh, MFA, I guess. Mm -hmm. I read as many YA books as I could get my hands on. Um, and I tried to read really widely. I read a lot of, and Dystopian was huge at that time, so I read Hunger Games and um, all of those kind of big, um, like, six-figure <laughs> dystopian sure. trilogies. And then I was reading, like, the quieter books as well. Um, I loved Morgan Matson. I still do. Uh, Sarah Dessen, those kind of um, kind of the queens of contemporary YA is how I think about them now. They, I learned so much just from reading their books and studying the way that they did things and trying to kind of absorb the reactions that I had to work. And um, if I loved a certain scene, I, I really tried to think about what it was in that scene that made me react. And if I disliked a certain book, then I would, again, try to figure out what I was not getting or not connecting with in that book so that I could then apply those lessons to my own writing, hopefully. That's great. And your newest book, your third book, yes. How the Light Gets In, uh, is mm -hmm. out now from 
Swoon Reads. So yeah. let's start talking about that and tell me, uh, give me the synopsis of this book. So How the Light Gets In is, um, I kind of say it's like the most contemporary paranormal <laughs> out there probably. It, it technically is paranormal. There is a ghost, a ghost story, but it's set in um, our real world and it very much is a contemporary YA at heart. Um, so it's about a girl named Callie who a year previous to the book's opening has tragically lost her younger sister who she was very close with. And at the book's opening, she is going back to this small Oregon beach town where her sister died the summer before. Um, so she's going to be living with her aunt for that summer and helping her aunt kind of revamp this old Victorian house into a bed and breakfast. And while uh, Callie is there, she starts to kind of get these um, signs, if you will, from Chloe. And at first she thinks she's kind of wishing, wishing these things into reality, but it turns out that Chloe has some unfinished business. So um, it's very much a sister story. Um, it's a, about recovery. It's about grief. It's about guilt. Um, and then, of course, there's a romance. I'm, I don't know that I'll ever write a book that doesn't have a strong romance thread. So um, there's a romance with the uh, local boy who has some secrets of his own. And so what was the idea then for this book that got you started writing it? Initially, I knew I just wanted to write a ghost story. I had, you know, I was actually looking back today at my, my time hop, and I saw that my 12-year-old started preschool today, nine years ago. And on that day that she started preschool, nine years ago, I dropped her off at preschool, we both cried, and then I went to my local borders, and I wrote the first chapter of How the Light Gets In. So it was nine years ago today that that book kind of... <laughs> I took my first steps at writing it, but um, I initially thought I would write a ghost story about a girl who kind of falls for a lingering spirit. Mm -hmm. And when I started to think hard about that, I just, that didn't seem so romantic. (laughs) So um, it became um, kind of a love triangle story for a long time. And it was a book that I wrote and then rewrote and then rewrote again. And once it sold, my editor um, the, the sister aspect of the story was much less. It was a much smaller piece of the story. And my editor, who was very, very savvy, said, why not make this, like, let's lean into this sister aspect. And so from that point on, um, Callie and Chloe's relationship really grew and um, became something much, much greater than it was originally. So you've had this book kind of floating around for nine years, but it's just now coming out and this is your third book. So is it just, what was it, do you think at its core that you just couldn't let go maybe of this story uh, that you kept coming back to it? I think the characters more than anything, I think it was a book that, um, and this is just me kind of guessing, it came kind of at the end of the paranormal craze. And so nothing paranormal was really selling at the time that I was trying to get this book agented and crossing my fingers that it would eventually sell. So initially I think it was the market that was wrong. And so I didn't feel terrible about putting it away for the time being. And I kept revisiting it because I really loved Callie, the main character. I really loved the setting. (laughs) I'm I'm a big setting person. And I really loved the romance aspect of the story, which, um, 
has kind of remained the same throughout the many drafts of this book. I mean, it's it's grown and, and become, I think, more complex. But at its core, is at its heart, it's kind of, it's been a constant. So I don't know. It just, it seems like a book that people might enjoy if given, <laughs> if given the chance to read it. So yeah, it was just one that I didn't want to put away indefinitely. And this is your third book uh, that's been published. Have you kind of gotten used to uh, the pace and kind of the routine of releasing and, and promoting a book at this point? I think that I have. I think that, you know, the two months before release for all three of my books have been stressful, but I've, I've kind of um, stopped caring about some things and started caring about other things more. And my, my perspective on it has shifted a lot. Um, With my first book, I worried a lot about um, reviews and not even just trade reviews, but what all readers were saying. And if one reader didn't like it, that was, just like an arrow to the heart to me. And now I've kind of, I think I kind of have the take that, you know, not every book is going to be for every person. And that's totally fine. If somebody does not love, you know, the story that I'm telling, hopefully they'll give the next one a try. Um, But yeah, the whole build up to release is very exciting and kind of terrifying. And also it's very freeing to just, let the book go and let it be, you know, belong to readers. Now it's not my book anymore. It's theirs. And I hope that, you know, people connect with my characters. Mm -hmm. And your debut was released in 2017. You had one 2018, it's 2019. How has that sort of pace been uh, so far with releasing sort of one book a year? It, It was, it was good. I do not have a 2020 book. So I kind of have a nice, um, I don't I, my plate is very, it's not empty. I'm definitely working on projects, but it feels good to not have any like real expectations right now. And just to be able to write what I want to write and write with really feeling inspiring. But, um, the book at your pace, it was okay for me. I have two kids, so I kind of had to, you know, <laughs> work on the balance aspect, which I think all writers have to do, whether it be with a day job or, you know, their partner or their pets or whatever. Um, Nobody really has the balance thing easy, I don't Mm -hmm. think. But um, yeah, I would love to be able to publish a book a year, a book every two years. I think, I think that's a pretty, a pretty okay pace for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, We share something in that we both have 12 year olds that, so they're almost teenagers and they're Mm -hmm. a couple months away. How has it been so far trying to uh, open your child up to uh, books and especially YA books, given that you, you write them? Uh, Are you going to let her read your books or how is that going to work out for you? Yeah, I, I actually learned a lesson with her when she was, I think she was about eight and she found a copy of Blubber that I have. Um, it's a Judy Bloom book. It's um, amazing. It is a middle grade book, but it's it's pretty intense. It's all about bullying. And um, it was another one that I loved growing up. But she kind of cracked that open, was reading it. And I said, oh, that's, I don't know if you're quite old enough to read that yet. And she said, okay. And she gave it to me. And then like an hour later, I turn around and she's like, got it again. <laughs> she's like <laughs> hiding in the corner trying to read it. And so I thought, Okay, if the second I tell her 
not to read something, it's going to become like the forbidden fruit. So I've kind of taken the mindset now that she's going to read what she wants to read. And hopefully the books that have the more mature themes will be like a conversation starter for us. Mm -hmm. Um, I obviously read a lot of YA and I have read a fair amount of middle grade. And she's like you said, she's kind of straddling that, that line right now. So I, she has read my first two books and um, yeah, she, she gave my second book, the impossibility of us, she said she would give it four stars because there was too much kissing in it. Gotcha. So she was not not into the romance at all at that at that age. But yeah, she she's pretty. We're pretty open with each other, and she lets me know when something seems like it might be too much for her. And I'm I'm kind of trying to give her the option. Like, sure. do you want to put the book down? Comfortable continuing to read it? And she's she's been pretty good so far with kind of self-censoring so I'm, I'm counting myself lucky for now <laughs> so other than kind of ya contemporaries and and with aspects of romance what what other types of books do you like to read that maybe are outside of of the types of books that you write i i joined the book club a few years ago with some women in my neighborhood who kind of randomly all connected online and wanted to form a book club. So none of us had known each other previously. And we all have very, very different tastes. I'm the only like big YA reader in the group. But that's been really a cool way to kind of open myself up to different sorts of books. We just read a like a humorous um, collection of essays last month, which I would have never picked up <laughs> had had it not been a book club book. Um, I don't usually seek out essays and I don't usually read funny books. So, and I loved it. So it was really cool to be able to have my, my reading taste broaden just through that book club. But I, I like um, true crime. I just read um, Michelle McNamara is the author. I think Mm -hmm. it's called I'll be gone in the dark. It's about the Golden State killer. So yeah, true crime has always been, of interest to me. Um, I read, let's see, I've read a lot of like Jodi Picoult books. So kind of like the literary, like women's fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, I read when I'm researching. So with the impossibility of us, there's a character who's from Afghanistan. So I read a lot of nonfiction about um, like Islam and Afghanistan stuff that I probably wouldn't have picked up had I not been working on that book. So just depending on the the month and <laughs> what's going on in my kind of writing life, things vary. Um, but I generally like, um, like sad books and mm. kind of angsty books. And I like to, uh, you know, I always hear like all the feels being tossed around. And I like those kinds of books that make me really like feel true emotions. So, And with your writing, have you sort of developed – any habit or any discipline uh, for yourself when you're working on a project? Um, it changes. It depends on kind of what pro- what part of the process I'm in. I really dislike first drafts. Mm-hmm. I really am intimidated by a blank page. So that is kind of um, that's the hardest part for me to sit down and just draft. So I'm a big fan of National Novel Writing Month. I've done that a couple of times and just having that community and that very public goal and um, like the graph, I love seeing like the bar graph 
<laughs> climb. So that's kind of how I do first drafts. I generally write first drafts in November and then I spend like a year or two or three like fixing them. Mm -hmm. So when I'm revising, I'm very much a morning person. I get up much earlier than my girls. And um, now that they're both back in school, I have a lot more time in the mornings to work. But by the time they go to bed, I know a lot of people who stay really late and write. That is definitely not me. I am exhausted by (laughs) 8 p.m. So I don't do my best work in the evenings. But yeah, I try to do the bulk of my like creative stuff before lunch if I can manage it. So that's kind of my, my big routine. I am a homebody. I like to write at home. Um, I like, I have two cats. I like them nearby. I like to drink coffee when I write. I'm, I'm kind of a a cliche. I think when it comes to sitting down and getting work done. Sure. And so when you think kind of, uh, especially when you first started writing, uh, how the light gets in, uh, nine years ago, what, and thinking about what you know now to what you knew then, what would maybe the one piece of advice or one thing that you would wish you could have told yourself back then about this whole process? I think just to stick with it. I think maybe in either aspect, um, writing is hard. Uh, anyone would write a book if it was easy. Sure. So it, it's hard and it takes discipline. And sometimes it's like the last thing you feel like doing. And, you know, there's a lot of times when I would rather just watch a movie or, um, you know, play a game with my kids or whatever the case may be. Um, so just, just to stick with it and try to do a little bit each day, even if that's just like taking a walk and thinking about your character's motivations or whatever the case is with, you know, your place in the process. And the same goes for publishing. Um, I had so many no's before I had any yeses and it is, it feels very defeating every time, you know, one of those no thank you emails rolls in, but the yeses eventually came and it was totally worth all of that um, heartache <laughs> with all of those many, many rejections. So, yeah, the people who don't give up are the people who end up getting a book published, I think. Great. Well, we'll wind down. Uh, and as we do, I'll ask you a few questions. The first one being, what is your favorite movie that's based on a book? Um, that is easy. I watch a ton of movies. I love movies. Um, the princess bride has been a favorite of mine my whole life. I remember watching it, um, with my brothers when I was very young, maybe like second, third grade. And I still, if that movie, you know, is happens to be playing on TV or whatever, I will always sit down and watch it. I think it is just, just so much fun. Great. And then next question, is there a book or a series of books that you're willing to admit you've either never read or never finished? Um, yeah, the Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit, all of those. Um, is it George? George R. No, no, no. That's Game of Thrones. Whoever. Tolkien, right? <laughs> Tolkien yes, wrote those. Yes. Yeah, that fantasy was never really my thing. Um, I have seen all the Lord of the Rings movies because of my husband, but I never read those books. And then I feel like such a failure as a YA writer and reader, but I have yet to read a Sarah J. Moss book and I hear such great things about them. But again, fantasy is not generally what draws me. So I, I own a few, but I have not cracked them open yet. Good. And finally, what is the last great book that you've read? Um, so I have, I have two. I read 
Circe by uh, Madeline Miller for my book club, which is, again, not probably a book I would have picked up mm-hmm. had I not been prompted to by, my, by those um, ladies in my book club. And I loved it. It was just so beautiful and such a cool, cool take on, you know, quote unquote, unlikable female sure. character. So I loved that. And then I recently, um, as far as YA goes, read Danielle Stinson's debut, Before I Disappear, which is a really cool, um, like, survival story. It's a little bit science fiction. It's another sibling story. So I, I loved it for that aspect. And it, the writing is gorgeous. It was just so well done. Great. Well, Katie, How the Light Gets In is out now from Swoon Reads. And I wish you and this book all the best. Thank you so much. And that wraps up another episode. I want to thank Katie Upperman for joining me again. Her book, How the Light Gets In, is out now. You also can check out her books, The Impossibility of Us and Kissing Max Holden. If you liked this episode, I hope you'll go through the archive, check out some of the other conversations I've had uh, with some really great authors. I'm Brock Shelley, and until next time, keep reading. <laughs>